Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. No, that wasn't the latest pop, rock, or jazz band. That was a sonification of the Milky Way put together by today's guests. Last week, we talked about making astronomy accessible. And this week, we'll speak with Greg Salveson, a postdoctoral fellow at the University of California, Santa Barbara, and Matt Russo, a professor of astronomy at Seneca College, about how they use sonification to transform astronomical data into audio for use by both sighted and vision-impaired people. But first, for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Greg Salveson with more from Matt Russo. For a lot of us in astronomy, what first got us into astronomy was looking through a telescope at an open house night and seeing the rings on Saturn, for instance, you know, and we all have some childhood memory of getting hooked into astronomy. And because astronomy is so visual, there aren't many professional astronomers today who are visually impaired. My hope is that with these sonifications, maybe we can, you know, get that young kid who's not able to look through a telescope, but they are able to experience astronomy in a different way, listening to some of Matt's sonifications, for instance, which I think are just awesome and really get you to feel something, just like how so many of us really felt something when we first looked through a telescope. This is what actually gets me most excited about sonification is it's the emotional component of music. As Greg was saying, it's one thing to understand and to hear about the different orbital periods of the planets, for instance, but it's a different thing to feel it. This has the potential to give people a, a more emotional connection to information or data or just the universe in general. And it also provides a collective experience. It lets people experience the universe together. They can all listen and be at the same point in the song, for instance, and all feeling similar things at similar times. It kind of synchronizes people's experience in a way that, say, visual information doesn't typically do. And in addition, they really sound cool, as you'll hear later. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by... NaviLens, a four-color QR code designed to be located and read from up to 60 feet away without the need to focus on it. Now, using augmented reality, NaviLens 360 Vision locates the NaviLens codes in a 3D space available for iPhone and soon for Android. More at navilens.com. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Let's start by meeting Greg and Matt and learning about their professional positions regarding astronomy. So we have two people with us today. Matt, can you introduce yourself first? Hi, I'm Matt Russo. 
I'm an astrophysicist, a musician, and an astro musician. I take things in space and turn them into music and sound. And where are you located? I'm located in Toronto. So I work with the University of Toronto, and I, I teach astronomy and music at Seneca College. What a great combination. That sounds like fun. So I used to do physics for a living at Xerox. Both Nancy and I were research scientists there. And uh, I have a jazz trio that we used to play on the side at some senior facilities. Oh, no way. It's a great combination, the science and the music. Yeah, I felt like I just, you know, I wasn't really complete if I wasn't doing both. So I just couldn't imagine doing either music or astronomy separately, one without the other. So I was playing in the band during my astronomy degrees, and I was taking astronomy courses during my music degrees. I, I really had to have both to feel complete. And Greg? Hi, I'm Greg Salveson. I'm a postdoc at the University of California, Santa Barbara. I've been here about two years, and I'm the founder of a website called Astronomy Sound of the Month, where each month we feature uh, some new sound made from real astronomy data. And you're studying some branch of astronomy yourself, I assume. Yes. So I spend most of my time researching black holes in our galaxy using supercomputer simulations and X-ray telescopes in space. Oh, we were directed to you from somebody at NASA who said, you know, NASA's doing all of this cool work on presenting astrophysical data in other ways, but it sounds like neither one of you has anything to do with NASA. Well, we didn't until recently. Actually, when, when I first met Greg, uh, it was at a conference where we also met several people from NASA. And, you know, they had visualizations and we do sonifications. And so it really was the, the perfect combination. So in the last few months, we have been working with NASA on a few uh, sonification projects. Oh, cool. And I take it neither of you are visually impaired. This is just some alternate way of presenting data that sounds like fun based on your backgrounds and kind of interests. Yeah. I first started doing sonification mainly just because it was so exciting and fun for me. But then uh, I very quickly found out that there were a huge segment of the population that are visually impaired that changed my course over the last year. Great. Yeah. And for myself, this is Greg. I was tinkering around with data sonification on my own, just on the side, uh, having some fun with it. And I found it to be kind of a creative outlet. And un unlike Matt, I don't have any musical ability or talent whatsoever. Uh, but this was sort of a way to tap into that creativity a little bit through the data sonification and soon came to realize that it's super applicable to making astronomy, which is traditionally a visual science, uh, accessible to people who, who are visually impaired. And on behalf of Pete and our listeners, we are glad you did. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is the work that Matt and Greg have done to convert astronomical information into audio. We think of astronomy as being primarily a visual science. How does sonification fit in? There's one point about that, I, which I just love. It, 
astronomy is usually thought of as a visual field, but um, you got to realize that the vast majority of data we receive from the universe and the vast majority of information in the universe can't be seen by anybody. It has to be translated in some way, for example, into a narrow visual spectrum or in our cases into the sonic spectrum that our ears can hear. It's really no different to me. We're just taking in data and converting it into a way that we can perceive with our senses. And so I don't really see sonification as very different from more typical you know, visualizations of astronomy. It has different strengths and different weaknesses, though. Well, and I think what you're referencing is a lot of people think about Galileo, and he had an optical telescope, and he looked through it. But these days, there are radio telescopes, and x-ray telescopes, and even the optical telescopes. There's nobody standing on top of the mountain looking through the eyepiece. There's all sorts of digital photographic and analytical tools that are being used to collect that data. That's right. And so that has to be translated into some visual or, or sonic form at some point. So before we get into demos of some of the sonifications that you guys made, which are really interesting, by the way, I enjoyed listening to your websites, maybe you can talk about some of the trade-offs that have to be made here and the philosophy and how you translate this physical data into sounds. I mean, with visual effects, for example, these different type of telescopes we've talked about, people make decisions as to what color should I make this? How should I represent this visually? And I assume you make similar assumptions sonically. That's right. Um, this is Greg speaking. Often when we're putting together a sonification, we choose to make it sound pleasing to the ear. Uh, and we can do this by binning, which is a technique that we use in visual data as well, visual representations of data, where any of your data that falls between two notes, you assign it to a single note or one or the other, which is ever closer. And we do this as well when we have a spectrum of light. We bin up the photons that we collect into a channel so that we're able to perceive that data better. And then I guess similarly to how you do the visualizations where you'll translate light frequencies that aren't ordinarily visible to our eyes into something our eyes can see, you do the same thing with sound. That's right. So you may have heard of other examples that are more close to home, like taking um, bats, for instance. They use ultrasound echolocation. And if we want to actually hear that with human ears, we'll have to change the pitch to fit it into our human hearing range. And so there are many different rhythms and periodic signals happening in the universe that are either happening too slow or too fast for our ears to hear. And so we have to bring it into the human hearing range one way or the other. Well, maybe we can actually give some examples of what you're talking about here. I heard some very interesting examples on your website. I was quite taken with some of the examples of Jupiter's moons. They were very clear and easy to hear, but to understand what was going on, you probably need some description ahead of time. Jupiter is a really interesting case because it's, it's one of the simplest examples of an orbital resonance, which just means a very simple fixed repeating pattern. And this is something Galileo noticed shortly after he discovered them in 1610. And the pattern is just that for every orbit of one of Jupiter's moons, Ganymede, the next one in Europa orbits twice. And for every orbit of Europa, the next moon in Io also orbits twice. 
And so you have this fixed repeating pattern among these three moons, and it's very similar to something a drummer might play. All you have to do is speed it up by several hundred thousands of times until it sounds like a normal human drum beat. But the rhythm is really there. These moons are playing music. What are the periods in days of the various moons of Jupiter? So in reality, the, the three inner moons of Jupiter take from one to about seven days to go around Jupiter. Um, and if we speed that up by several thousand times, we can hear their orbits as a fixed repeating rhythm, maybe happening once per second. And if we just keep speeding it up more and more and more, those rhythms will start turning into musical pitches. And so each moon produces a note. The notes sound good together. This is real musical harmony played by Jupiter's moons. So in the video that you have on your website, there's actually a video image as well as the audio, and it shows the moons circling Jupiter faster and faster and faster. So basically you're just speeding up the sound more and more and more? Yeah, we're speeding up time. This is actually an interactive app you can play as well, aside from the video. And in the app, you get to hold on to an image of the Juno probe, which is orbiting Jupiter, and you kind of use it like an accelerator. And so if you speed up time faster and faster, this rhythm of the moons gets faster and faster. And once the rhythm happens about faster than about 20 times per second, your ear stops hearing it as a rhythm and starts hearing it as a pitch. And that's pretty dramatic when that happens. It really gets my heart rate going every time I try it out. And I noticed on your website, you did have some controls in this applet where you could drop out one moon, include another, and just hear the differences in what was happening there. That's kind of cool. That's right. So there is an interactive app, and uh, it's fully controllable with keyboard commands. So there's instructions on the website. And so you can play the moons like an instrument, turning on and off the rhythms or the pitches of four of Jupiter's large moons. Oh, what fun. And there are lots of other examples on the website. People should check them out. And we'll have a link to that in our show notes so you can easily find it. And here is a part of their audio rendition of the motion of Jupiter's moons as Matt just described. cool is that? Greg, you've also done a number of simulations that you have up on the web. Can you give us a demonstration of one of the more interesting ones? Sure. People may not realize this, but we are not at the center of our galaxy. We are about two-thirds of the way out to the edge of the galaxy, and we rotate around the center of the galaxy maybe every 250 million years or so. And gas also rotates around through the galaxy. And we can point our telescopes along different sight lines through our own galaxy 
and measure the motions of that gas. And those motions have been converted into sound. So one sonification that I'm most excited about featured on Astronomy Sound of the Month is something called the Milky Way Blues, which is a collaboration with Mark Heyer, an astronomer at UMass Amherst. And in this sonification, every note that you hear represents gas in our galaxy that's either coming towards us or going away from us. Gas that's coming towards us is represented as high notes. Gas going away from us is represented as low notes and different phases of gas. And by that, I mean whether the gas is atomic, molecular, or ionized are played by different instruments. And the intensity of the emission that we observe coming from the gas is heard as longer note durations. So the longer the note, the more intense that emission is from the gas. And with every new measure, the telescope is pointing at a different line of sight through the galaxy until we go all the way around the galaxy, kind of like a clock. The various pitches where you have the more rapidly moving gas coming towards us being the highest pitches, this is akin to the sound people are used to hearing of, for example, a train as it approaches, the pitch goes up, and as it recedes, the pitch goes down. That's exactly correct. And for anybody who's heard of but not understood the redshift of stars, it's exactly the same thing. That's right. So you have the motion as well as the composition, which is giving you kind of a chord as you go along. Correct. And here is a part of the Milky Way blues representing going about a quarter of the way around the galaxy. first could make such beautiful music. The nice thing about both of the websites that you guys are putting up there is there are pretty full descriptions of what each of the sound effects is all about and what to listen for. So people don't actually need you guys in their living room describing it to them. So I thank you for putting all that up there. These are pretty sophisticated sonifications you're creating. What tools have you used to make them? So there are a lot of standard tools, but for the work that I do, I found none of them were really as customizable as I need. And so I do all of my work in the Python programming language. Mm -hmm. And so I write very short little, they're called Jupyter Python notebooks. And that's how I process the data. Well, sometimes I, I also work in music production software. So one of the music softwares I use is called Logic Pro, and that's where you get to kind of play around with different sounds or instruments or add sound effects like reverb, and you get to adjust the EQ, things like that. And I take it you probably need 
a custom program for each data set, more or less, because there are very different physical behaviors that you're trying to explain. I pretty much have to write a new program from scratch. They're very short programs, though, but there's just so many different ways you can sonify information depending on the original form of the information, whether it's kind of just data or whether it's an image or whether it's a planetary system. And so every different type of system requires a different type of processing. Got it. But you put together a number of these tools and it's probably pretty quick to do that by now. Yeah, sometimes I... I start a new project and I find it's similar in some ways to an old project. And so I can kind of just run it through the same algorithms and tweak it from there. Mm -hmm. And how about you, Greg? What tools are you using? Uh, I am also using Python for the majority of my work. And the reason I'm doing that is because most astronomers, that's the programming language that they use every day in their job. Have more and more professional astronomers contribute their own sonifications of their own data to Astronomy Sound of the Month. So I chose to do everything in Python and uh, make all of that publicly available. So if somebody wanted to replicate one of my sonifications or they saw it and they'd like to do something similar with their data, they could go on to a website called GitHub where I post all of the code used to make these sonifications. Oh, that's great. So these tools are readily available if people want to use them outright or modify them to do a special job. That's right. In your introductions, you both said that you started sonifying astrophysical data just because it was cool but that you also both realized that this was of special use to the visually impaired community. What have you done specifically, besides talking to us and our listeners, but what have you done specifically to make the outcome of your work available to the visually impaired? Uh, I guess I'll start. This is Matt. In addition to doing sonification, I also create planetarium shows. And so... Uh, last year, someone contacted me because her mother, who was visually impaired, was having a birthday and wanted to visit a planetarium show. And they wondered if there was anything I could do to make it more accessible. And so I just thought of all the different systems in the universe I could convert into sound. And I created uh, an audio tour of the universe in a planetarium show. And so she came. She's actually a visual artist named Robin Rennie. And she was so moved by the show that when she went home, she painted her representation of what she heard and felt. And from there, we, we made it a public show using her artwork. And since then, we've had several groups of blind and visually impaired people um, come to experience the show. And they have such a great time that they just keep booking return visits. So it's been a, an amazing thrill to meet these new people and to uh, share some of what I do with them. Great. That presumably is in Toronto. Have you been able to make this available to other planetariums in other places? So that's actually the goal. Right now, it's just a small in-person live show, but we're working with some major planetariums to produce this for global distribution. So ideally, within the next year, you'll be able to go to the, the nearest planetarium, wherever you are in the world, and watch the show, which is called Our Musical Universe. That would be so cool. 
You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Now for this week's final item, how to reach Greg and Matt and how to learn more about their sonification efforts, including how to hear many more of them than we were able to play during this show. Matt, let's start with you. If people want to hear some of the sonifications you've done, where would you send them? All of my work is available on my website, which is system-sounds.com. That's where you'll find the videos, the information about the videos, and some of our interactive apps that let you play things in in astronomy as instruments. And it's all very keyboard-friendly. That's right. We've made sure all of the interactive apps are keyboard-accessible. And how about you, Greg? If people want to hear some of the sonifications you've put together, where would you send them? So you can visit the Astronomy Sound of the Month website, which is astrosom.com, A-S-T-R-O-S-O-M.com. And there we have the monthly sonification featured front and center with a short blurb that describes it. Uh, And we also have an archive page with every sonification we've featured so far, as well as a tab where you can contact me directly. And you also mentioned a web page on GitHub where you're sharing some of these tools with a larger community. That's right. So each sonification uh, in the description, we always provide links to the source code that was used to produce the sonifications. And that's all on the Astronomy Sound of the Month website. Are there any social media venues that are related to these websites? Yes. System Sounds has a Twitter account, at system underscore sounds. Uh, But I post most of my work on my personal Twitter account, which is at Astro Matt Russo. And you, Greg? Astronomy Sound of the Month does have a Twitter page and a Facebook page. However, the best way to keep in touch with what's going on with Astronomy Sound of the Month is to subscribe, which you can do on the homepage of our website, uh, and you'll receive a monthly email telling you about the newest sonification. And we also have a YouTube channel, uh, which hosts all of the sonifications as well. And if anybody wanted to reach either of you directly, how would they do that? Okay, this is Matt. So you can reach me at contact at system-sounds.com. And that is posted on the System Sounds website as well. And Greg? You can reach me at astrosom42 at gmail.com. That's A-S-T-R-O-S-O-M 42 at gmail.com. And we would like to play one more sonification that they call Hubble's Treasure Chest.
And as usual, you'll find all of that contact information, URLs, etc. in the show notes associated with this episode on our website at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 2133. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about navigating indoors with the Clue app. Most navigation apps rely on GPS and work well outdoors. Unfortunately, they are not suitable for indoor use. We'll speak with Paul Ruvalo about the Clue app he developed, which overcomes this limitation by making use of Apple's AR kit and the telephone's camera in order to guide users from point to point indoors. A simple and clever app that you'll want to learn more about by joining us next week. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.